Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We celebrate summertime on this edition of On the Mark with Mark Carmen. I spent the weekend in northern Michigan at Boyne Mountain Resort. Two tennis pros. My coaches from the week are on the show. That's right, Bill and Larry. Larry was a stud at Michigan State. We're giving tips on the program. Also, a story from off the field. Danny Farquhar who collapsed in the dugout last April in Chicago. A brain hemorrhage was just released by the New York Yankees. He is segueing into a coaching career at 32 years old. He tells some of his story today on the show. I think you'll enjoy the conversation. And Ethan Blumenthal and I talk about our seven favorite things about summertime. On the Mark with Mark Carmen starts right now. So I was up in Michigan. Ashley Young, good to see you. Did you miss me? I miss you so much. Like, talk about how you miss me the most. What was the biggest thing that you felt a void in your life from? The office is quiet without you. Mm. You know, no so, one brings that Mark Carmen energy to the office. I'm like loud office guy. Not uh, in the <laughs> best, most wonderful way. Oh, yes, loud thank, office guy. Th- thank you so much. So I, uh, I haven't seen you in a while. Mm-hmm. I left out of here and I have not shaved, so I got this whole beard thing going on here. We got beard watch. For yeah. anyone that doesn't follow Carm on Instagram, he was posting Instagram stories the entire time he was away and the beard got progressively darker and fuller as I time went on. And and grayer and older and I just aged myself, <laughs> See, I think by like 10 years. I thought he was, you had like the backwards hat on. I thought you looked younger. You thought with the backwards hat, I looked backward hat and the beard, yeah. But now no backwards hat. The hair is long. Haven't had a cut the in forever. The hair is a little long. Okay, yeah. so we need a cut. But now, now normally I would go with the color. I know people care about this deeply. If I if, if I color my hair, then it's mm-hmm. not going to match up on the beard. This seems like a lot of maintenance, Ashley. It's a lot of maintenance, but I also dye my hair, so I feel for you. Okay, All right. you know well, it's part of the process. Right, we'll, we'll have to figure it out. So I was competing, as you know, against fourteen-year-olds and sixteen-year-olds. Mm-hmm. Did you have any judgments on this? I did. I thought it was weird. Um, <laughs> I didn't know who these children were on your Instagram story, but you were playing tennis against teenage boys. It was, it was the Boyne Mountain Tennis Camp. This okay. was year two that I participated. Last year I won the doubles. Mm-hmm. This year didn't get to partake in the doubles because it was in the afternoon and my lovely fiance Chelsea wanted some pool time and I felt like I should enjoy it. But I made it to the finals in singles which okay. I did not make last year. Lost to the great Garrett who uh, is going to Michigan State and is going to play club. So I mean he's mm-hmm. a legit player here now. He's a D1 athlete at the club level. At the club level. <laughs> so that's not a terrible loss. Uh, but I what I uh, what was unfortunate, if I may, I uh, I came back late Friday night, mm-hmm. and then Saturday, I, all summer long, I've been playing the Shoreline Tennis League, and it was the final match of the season, and I was matched up against rough and tumble Maury. 
Now, Maury was not 14, 16, or 18. He was actually like 72. So we got, we got old Maury, and now the sirens. I don't know if people can hear that, but there are sirens going off in the background, which makes sense for this situation. Maury, I played him last year, and I beat him, mm-hmm. but he gave me a little bit of run for my money in the final set. So I, I thought w- you were going to say he had a heart attack with the sirens. No, 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 no. Maury didn't die. Maury's well alive. But it was 7-7 it was seven, seven in the third mm-hmm. set. We, he won the first set. I won the second. We're playing a 10-point tiebreak. It was actually 7-6. I was winning. And Maury hits a shot down the line. My brothers come over from his match. He's watching me. I'm trying to give great effort. I run over to the line to get the, you know, try to get a mm-hmm. racket on it. I have no chance at it, but I'm still trying. And as I'm running over, out goes the hamstring, shot in the back of the leg. Down I go. I'm laying in the prone position on, on the tennis court. And there's 72 year old Maury standing over me. He's still ready to play. I can't walk, have to default the match, lose no. lose the match. We end up finishing in second place in the league. If I had won, I think we would have won the league. So I lost to a 72-year-old after playing 14-year-olds, disappointed myself, disappointed the team. What and, about Chelsea? And, 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 Was she embarrassed? Uh, I don't think Chelsea cared. Uh, but uh, <laughs> so that 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 happened. The point of going to tennis camp is you come back mm-hmm. and you're better, and, uh, and somehow I might have gotten worse. Well, maybe Maury's just that good. Nah, Maury's no. not that good. I mean, Maury's okay. Maury's mm, decent. We're backpedaling. But this, Maury's a fine, fine seventy-two-year-old player, mm-hmm. and I give Maury tons of credit. But uh, I, I should beat Maury. So and how's the uh, the hammy today? I, I, uh, you know, I'm coming over here today, and normally I would walk, and mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I, I had to take an Uber because I can't walk. So it, it's it's uh, it's 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 problematic. I think I'm out for at least two weeks. Two weeks. Yep. Yeah, and so it makes it tough to do a podcast. I'd like to get, can I get any points for, you know, hanging in here? Oh, for sure. For yeah. sure. We're trying new stuff. Okay. We're trying new stuff today. Well, speaking of new stuff, we've got you, you uh, sat down with Jim Gaffigan. I did. I did. So while Mark was away, I had some big shoes to fill, and I got to sit down and interview Jim Gaffigan. Who, Who's Jim Gaffigan, for those who don't know? Big time comedian. You've probably seen him. He's made a ton of cameos. He had his own show, and he is doing a new movie called Them That Follow, and I did not read the emails and just went right to watching the movie because I thought it would be a comedy. It is a grisly, dark drama. Wow. Uh, spoiler. I'm going to... Spoiler. In the movie, he saws off his son's arm. What? It is disturbing. It's disgusting. There's a lot of snakes. It's about this community that lives in like the mountains and they're a very devout religious community and they believe that snakes answer whether like someone has sinned or if they're pure. So when someone commits a sin, they put this like giant snake on them. And if the snake bites them, then like they're paying for their sins. But if the snake doesn't bite them, then they're like wholesome. I don't know. Very strange, very disturbing. And Jim Gaffigan comes at the end, in at the end and like saws off. He like turns around with like one of those like chainsaws like and saws off his son's arm. So here I thought I was interviewing Jim Gaffigan. It was going to be fun and playful. And we talked a lot about uh, religion and this movie he's promoting. Did the, Great movie. Was the arm infected or is that just the yeah, Jim Gaffigan? Yeah, it got bit by a snake and uh, yeah, he didn't go rogue. Um, I think it was him implementing the best medical practices he knew, uh, but they, the prayers didn't cure the snake venom. Okay. I don't uh, think that's too much of a spoiler. Okay. This is uh, that's a big right turn for Jim Gaffigan. Who, it was. Every time I've, I've seen him do radio, I've seen him on late night TV. Mm-hmm. He's a funny guy, Jim Gaffigan. He is. He's oh. the hot pocket guy. Will we laugh once in this interview? 
May perhaps, perhaps. <laughs> I was I was digging, but uh, he was great to talk to. He's a funny guy, and it was really interesting to see him do something more serious. Talented, smart, all of it. So mm-hmm. why don't we hear that? Let's hear you and Jim Gaffigan. Jim, you're best known for your comedy. Uh, I don't want to give too much away, but this movie is far from comedic. Who do you play in this movie, and what can we expect as an audience from the film? Well, I play Zeke, who is part of a, uh, a, a you know, a deeply religious Pentecostal community in uh, Appalachia or Appalachia uh, that believes in snake healing, and um, I in the movie I am. Uh, married to Olivia Coleman, and we have a child named Tom, uh, who is played by Thomas Mann. And this movie is, it's a rather serious look at, um, I think it's about, uh, rela- the relationship between parents and, uh, children. And, um, uh, because, uh, the, the pastor in this, uh, tight knit community is, played by Walton Goggins, and he has a daughter, uh, played by Alice Engart. And um, there is kind of, uh, these snake-healing communities are, you know, they're uh, out of necessity. They're rather secluded and confined because, uh, you know, it can be have dire consequences associated with this form of uh, worship, I would say. And, um, and so... The movie kind of looks at these two young people that are kind of finding their way in uh, their living in their parents' worlds and and who they want to be and what they want to believe in is kind of uh, kind of uh, looked at through the movie and uh, it's but it's definitely a drama. It's definitely heavy, uh, but it was so fun as an actor to climb into this character and work with these amazing actors uh, in this movie. Was it easy to make the transition? And more importantly, I can't get over the snakes. Are you a big snake guy? Well, you know, here's what, um, the transition, you know, like comedians are, you know, relatively serious people anyway. I mean, I can... Uh, you know, it's like they're just serious people that want approval, I would suppose. But the snake thing is, these are not snakes that we were walking through the woods and just decided to pick up and play with. These were, you know, there was a snake wrangler and uh, they would, you know, they were snake experts and they were like, this is a blankety blank snake and it's not poisonous and uh, or it's been defanged or whatever. So, you know, holding a snake, it's a little bit like um, the equivalent of going to a petting zoo. You know, you're not under risk of death. I mean, obviously in this movie, we're portraying, you know, a very uh, dire, uh, dangerous situations. But, you know, as an actor, I knew that the snakes I was holding were not going to kill me. There was in the back of my mind, like, you know, these snakes look similar, so like maybe this is one of the poisonous ones. But um, I don't know. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta trust. And also, they're. I mean, I like animals, so it's it was kind of interesting to 
to hold a, a snake and kind of it's weird again it's like i always describe it it's not like we were walking in the woods and we came upon a snake it was this was some a snake a handler that was like this is a blah 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 type of snake and the snakes had names so it wasn't scary so you got to know the snakes you're a lot braver than i am uh you mentioned the cast that you worked with though someone you worked with is olivia coleman who recently won an oscar and she plays also yeah. a very dark, sinister character. What was it like working with Olivia, and what's she like off the set? You know, Olivia is, if you've seen Broadchurch, obviously she's acting in that, but she's very, a very warm, open person. And um, so this movie, Them That Follow, is really heavy. It's a heavy drama, uh, very serious, but... Everyone involved with the movie is a rather um, kind of, uh, they're, they're all kind of like, they can turn the serious on and then they can be silly and fun. So we would have these really serious days and then we would drive an hour and a half back to Youngstown, Ohio. And in those van rides, we would be, you know, goofing around and it was, you know, for this movie, we constructed this this kind of uh, tiny community, and then you can't you can turn off the seriousness, but in a way, you can't turn off that community. So, we definitely had some fun afterwards, and you know, there was a, this intentional okay, we have to instead of life and death, let's just be silly in a van, and then you know, hang out after that too. I learned that in addition to acting and comedy, you have a little football under your belt. You played at Georgetown with Eagles defensive coordinator Jim Schwartz. Yes. And I watched an interview where he said your brother is actually funnier than you. Yeah, you know, that's... By the way, the joke in my family, I'm one of four boys and I'm considered four boys and two girls, and I'm considered third funniest in my family. But I always say I have more comedy specialists than them. But, you know, yeah, Um, you know, my brothers are very funny. But you know what? They didn't have the heart. They didn't have the drive to pursue their dreams. No, well, they, uh, you know, they're funny. But I also think that I'm kind of a combination of my different brothers' sensibilities. You know, like my brother Mike is very dark and sarcastic and my brother Joe is is kind of silly and goofy and then my brother Mitch is kind of an observational kind of guy so I'm kind of a combination of all of them. Do you miss playing football at all? Well I don't miss the two a day practices in August in in Washington DC that's for sure. I mean I you know football was so much of an identity of me but, you know, I quit my junior year. You know, I was like, I had a, like a nightmare and I was like, all right, I got to quit because I was just dreading it and I wasn't having fun. And um, so it's weird. I have this very complex relationship with football. I think I learned a lot and, you know, my fingers have scars all over them because of it. But, you know, uh I, I I don't know. It's weird. I love it, but like there were a couple of years 
where I couldn't watch it. I was just so sick of it. You were just over in Europe touring. You had the whole family with you, the squad. What was the highlight of that trip for you? Oh my gosh, there's so many. You know, traveling, I've got five kids, so traveling with my family is, um, it's the most expensive thing you can ever do, but it's also, um, when you're in another country, it's, it's also just, uh, it's just you and your family. So there is kind of this great bonding that occurs, but also we spent some time in Ireland and we have friends and this is our second time going to Donegal, which is just an amazing place. It's so kind of isolated. So, I mean, it's even isolated in Ireland. So, uh, that that was kind of a special place. So kind of, I feel like we kind of snuck into this community in Donegal, and we we kind of, you know, they were so open, and so hanging out with them is very kind of special. Uh, you know, my kids going to camp there even for the week was amazing. Jim, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us today. For anyone that wants to go catch them that follow, it's in theaters August second. Had a great week last week, took some time off, went up to Boyne City, Michigan and the Boyne Mountain Resort, and I participated for the second year in a row in the tennis camp. It was 14-year-olds, 15-year-olds, 16-year-olds, 17-year-olds, maybe there was one 19-year-old, and me, and maybe a handful of other adults who would come and maybe do the morning session. But then in the afternoon, when the real tennis diehards came out there, it was me and the kids. And I had a ton of fun. Friday they do a tournament, singles tournament, and I was matched up against Evan, and I was matched up after that victory, took out Evan 8-4. Then I was matched up against JP. JP just didn't have it, took him out easily. And then I had to play a kid who could play like D2 or D3, but he's going D1 to Michigan State because he wants to be a physicist or something of an intellectual power that I don't have myself. He's like, yeah, you know, I think I'm better at physics than I am at tennis. I don't say that with a big ego. I'm like, no, dude, that's cool. I get it. There's people like you in life who are just born to be successful, and you're one of them, and you just whip me on the tennis court. But let me just say to everybody out there, it is okay to, at least for a little bit, to go back to just being a kid. Get some play in your life. Get on the swing set. Go to a tennis camp. Do some childlike stuff. Don't take life so seriously. I know we're all grinding all the time. It was great to be up there. And also respect your elders. I had two coaches up there who were running the camp. Head coach Bill Perlmutter and head coach Larry Stark. And I want to bring them both in here. And let's get a professional review for how I did taking on the youth of America living my best life on vacation, unplugging for a second from the media world, and playing tennis at tennis camp. Bill, Larry, thank you for joining On The Mark. We appreciate having you on the podcast. Bill, I want to start with you. You saw me last year. I was working hard, but I lost in the singles. Forget to who, but he whipped me. And I won the doubles with my guy Harry. 
Unfortunately, this year, I was unable to defend the title with Harry because we had some other things we had to do that afternoon. But I did make it to the finals in singles. I would like to get your honest review on if you think I'm getting better, what I could have perhaps done better this year to beat young Garrett this year, which I did not do. Are you seeing progress? What are the next steps for me? Bill, you go first. I think you've become more intelligent on the court, and the, and the kid you played today was all state honorable, honorable mention. So that was a tough road to hoe. See, now you guys made the bracket, and you gave me a bye in the first round. Not many people had a bye. And then you matched me up with, I think you knew that Evan was going to win. And then I think you saw that JP was going to be there. In my mind, you created an easy road for me to get to the finals. Am I, am I wrong about this? Larry, what would you say? I'd say you're wrong about that. JP 6-5 and hits a serve 110 to 120 miles an hour, and you played excellently to get through the semifinals. I think you did a great job. Wow, this is a this is a big moment for me. All right, I'm getting validated here. I feel better, Bill. What do you think I can do to raise my game to the next level to you know to compete with a Garrett who took me out six one, and I'm not quite certain that he broke a sweat. Well, one of the problems that we can't fix is we're all a little older than Garrett is, <laughs> seeing that he's the seventeen year old phenom. But having said that. I say the same thing most of the time. It's timing and feet, timing of the feet, timing of the racket. It's always feet and timing. Larry, uh, just to give some background here, I, got, I should give bios here. I said Michigan State, but Larry, you you uh, you played, what, number one doubles and number one singles? Yes, way back when I played number one singles and doubles for Michigan State University. He was also a team like, captain. He didn't even mention that. You guys have been friends for how many years? About 60. <laughs> did you did you compete against each other on the court back in the day? We were on the same yeah. high school team. Yeah. We played for Berkeley High School. And, and who won? Larry. <laughs> did, did you get a game off him, Coach Bill, or, or was it just a complete demolization, if you will? Um... Over the years, I've gotten games here and there, although we should tell your listeners, Larry and his young protege, uh, Joe, did go down to us in split sets, but then we uh, walked away with a strong finish in the tiebreaker to to take the, take the match just that, the other day. He that, played great. That's true. We did, Me and you played doubles against Larry and his partner, and we, we handled him. It was flat out. It was, there was no problem. Uh, all right, as we wrap up here, you, you guys made me emotional today. You you, you gave me the MVP award. Uh, can you just please tell the listeners why Mark Carmen deserved the MVP of this week's tournament? Larry, go first. You played guys that were over half your age, and you hung with them. You got to the finals of the tournament, and Mark, you've got a sport for a lifetime. You're playing great tennis. Thanks, Larry. Bill? And I would just have to say, Mark, it's your personality, your energy, your enthusiasm, and the effort that you put in on every ball is infectious throughout the uh, entire academy every day. 
And how could we not give you the MVP? Well, just for real, as really, and I, I really, I'm, I'm, I'm getting emotional again right here. But uh, and I can't wait for next season. By the way, or next year, come summertime, year three up at Boyne Mountain. But just for real, to your guys' credit, the kids that you're coaching there, these were great kids with with positive attitude, and you have a way about you that I think brings the best out of them. So it was really a pleasure to watch. It's so competitive nowadays for kids playing these games and the parents wanting so much for them and are you going to get a scholarship and all that on the line so to see kids in this environment for a week trying to get better and having fun it's really it was beautiful so you you both uh you get gold stars for for what you're doing for the youth of america and uh and thank you for allowing me to be a part of it this week and along with my fiance chelsea thanks so much guys and, and thanks for being on tonight looking forward thank to you. seeing you and having you up next year Thank you to Bill and Larry for the coaching and for jumping on the podcast. One of the pieces of news last week was a guy retiring from baseball. Danny Farquhar was released by the New York Yankees AAA affiliate. And Danny's been in the big leagues for seven years, made many stops. His last stop before the Yankees was with the Chicago White Sox. And he collapsed in the dugout in a game last April, a brain hemorrhage that could have taken his life. And it could have cost him his speech or his ability to walk. But none of that happened. He thinks clearly, and he has full capacity to move around and live his life. He was trying to get back on the baseball field, but that was not happening. He could not rise himself back up in the competitive world of professional baseball And after getting released, he decided to retire. So I wanted to catch up with Danny, 32 years old, right? You want to continue your career, and now he's in transition. And he's decided to go into coaching, which I think is a sweet decision. You've been around the sport your entire life. Why not give back? And it'll probably give you a lot of joy to continue to be around it and hopefully have an impact. Let's bring Danny into the conversation now. And Danny, you've made this decision. I think it's great that you're staying in the game, but it can't be easy knowing that you don't get to wake up every day and do what you love to do for your entire adult and, and childhood life. I mean, that's a huge change, and I'm sure it takes a, a pretty big adjustment for you to just settle into, okay, this is what I'm doing going forward. You know, some days are a little bit tougher than others when you're like, oh, I can go back out there and play. You know, I can do this because I still have that you know, that drive to want to be the best at whatever I'm doing, whether it's golf, baseball, coaching, um, whatever it is. Um, But, you know, then I reflect on, you know, my time, you know, in the off season I had, I started playing catch in June of last year and just, I had, you know, full, full off season to really build my strength back and to just, you know, get back to baseball, and I got to spring training, and clearly I was far, like, really far behind, like, way farther behind than I thought, so they gave me time and extended to to um, to really just get, get me back in my flow, and I felt like before they sent me to AAA, like, I was, I was peaked out, like, I had been peaking for about a month, and, you know, I got to AAA, and um, I, I just, I realized how far behind I was to all the AAA guys, and um, they released me, and I, I got a chance to reflect on the drive home. And it was one of those where, 
you know, you gotta, you gotta realize, you know, when it, when it's time to hang it up and uh, me and my wife chatted and we've been, we've been talking about, you know, wanting to be a coach for a while. And so we, we came to that decision. So, okay. You're, you're on the drive from Wilkes. You're on the drive basically from Pennsylvania, right? All the way across country where you live in, in California. At what point does this conversation start? Have, have we hit Illinois? Are we in? Uh, are we? Are we in Montana? I don't know your exact path here, but wh- when did the conversation start? And then uh, I- I'm just curious. You know that that's a that's a difficult thing to go through. And there you are with your wife, and you guys have been through a lot, and you got three kids, and you know everything that happened uh, last year. I'm curious what you can tell us about what that conversation was like. So we actually took the South route because we used to we lived in Louisiana before that, and we wanted to visit some friends. And my sister was actually vacationing in North Carolina, so we stopped and saw her too. Uh, so we took the South route, and um, you know I I'd been playing I'd been um, throwing a little bit you know against the beds and and going to the hotel gyms and working out a little bit, and I actually threw a bullpen uh, with one of my friends in Louisiana. It was almost like after that trip, we spent four days in Louisiana that like, you know, I stopped throwing, I stopped working out. And that's when we started communicating more when I was just like, like, you know, I just, this is a lot of work, a lot of energy. I put, you know, all this effort into it, um, you know, and I'm starting to think about like, hey, you know, what if, you know, I'm thinking about this being the end. So it was it was pretty far into the trip, but you know we got the ball rolling, and um, you know I'm, I'm very happy with the decision that I made, and um, I'm I'm excited for the next step and moving forward. So moving forward, it looks like some double A action, huh? And you got Omar down there, who one of the greatest uh, shortstops, certainly defensively in the history of the game, uh, managing the uh, Barons, and you've got Richard Dotson, who knows a thing or two about pitching. And you're going to be kind of, I guess, hanging out and and trying to figure out if this is for you. Is that about accurate? Yes, yes. Um, definitely going there to just learn um, from the other side and and just kind of see what what a coach's um, you know routine is and and I'm I'm definitely going there to learn and and see what what the coaching side is all about and then you know and then. Obviously, Chris has told me, like, he's very open to kind of what I like and what I don't like. And, you know, we'll obviously revisit that when we get to Instructs and see what I like to do. So I'm, I'm, just, I'm just thrilled for this opportunity more than anything. I mean, you've got all these guys around your age. Chris Getz, Everett Tiford. I mean, these were guys who uh, had big league careers and had to make a decision at some point themselves. You know what? It's, it's time to move forward. So I'm sure there's conversation that can be had they probably understand exactly where you're at yes and i have a good buddy here in town um alan craig who um he's working with the padres and he was over our house last night and you know just chatting with him about his transition because he he was a player in spring training and then he trained at the end of spring training we didn't break with the team he just he wanted to um he wanted to go into front office slash coaching work and you know we had a good talk last night about about the transition phase. So it's it's nice to surround yourself with with people who've done it, and um, you know that, that you have that little support system with you. And the baseball community is so small and so supportive. Like it's it's an incredible community. I'm curious, how much do you think about last April and the brain aneurysm? And I know you don't remember that night, but I'm sure you remember all the recovery and. 
trying to get yourself back to uh, just living a normal life. And uh, you know it's it's got to feel on one side, right, that this is disappointing that it's impacted my career. But on the other side, people that have that injury, they end up in a lot worse shape than where you're at right now. Yes, so I do reflect on it. Um, I would say daily when I wake up in the morning, see the sun shining. It's just one of those where I'm like, dang, I am so thankful to be here. And, you know, I thank God every day for, you know, giving me – the opportunity just to get back on the field and, you know, not have no regrets, you know, about, about my playing career, about my injury. So, but I definitely look at it in a positive, in a positive way. Um, just because, you know, it is, it is a sad story, but in the end, like I'm here, I'm alive, I'm healthy. So there's not, there's not that much sad that comes from it more, more just positive and, and how I can help inspire people that are going through their troubled times. Anybody who wants to talk to me, like, about things they're going through, like, you know, I love it. And any sort of insight I can give them, um, I'm more than willing to help. Well, it's one of the reasons, I think, why the White Sox are interested in having you as part of the organization. Because guys are going to have their ups and downs. And, and you, I mean, every, you certainly have had yours. And that's, I think, that's being more and more accepted in the game, right, to talk about actually what's going on in the head versus just just got to go out there and grind it man like like that that level of coaching is cool but there's got to be a little bit more too yeah I think that's one of the things that I bring um one of my big assets is the mental part of the game because I've struggled at every level in the minor leagues I've struggled in the big leagues like I've just been through these struggles and no I'm not to say like I know how to get through any anything but I've I've been through a lot, so maybe I can help guide people like, you know, some of the things that help me cope with failure and, and maybe it can help them and maybe I can learn from the players, you know, how they're coping through failure. So I'm 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 just I'm just so excited um to get going. Hey Danny, my name is Bill Smith. I just gave up three runs in my one inning last night and I can't sleep tonight and I'm worried that Skip is gonna call my name again today. I don't think I can go out there. What do you say to a guy like that? Because that's got to be spot on to some conversations, I would think. Yeah, I mean, the biggest thing for me, and and I realized it throughout my career, was just go watch video. And honestly, the, 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 the biggest recommendation is you're never as good as you think you are, and you're never as bad as you think you are when you watch that video. Like, you know, there'll be times when you strike a guy out, and it was like, you know, pitch right down the middle, and they, they took it for some reason. And then you're like, oh, I'm so good. And then there'll be another time where you made a pretty good pitch, and the dude just he took a he took a lucky swing and hit off the end of the bat, and it and it bled in for for a single, a two run single. And it's just you know, baseball is one of those games that you can only control so much. You can only control the preparation and the work that that you're putting into it. And um, you know, the sun will rise the next day, and you'll be able to get back out there, and and you'll be able to compete again and you know you can't play this game forever so give it your all um that would be that would be my best advice to the guy yeah no i i, I hear it you you're you're a florida guy right Is, was this always the dream to be uh in the big leagues and, and doing what you were able to do for the seven years yes that was my dream since i was i think five years old and the the marlins um you know, the Marlins were announced as a team, I think, when I was maybe four years old. And I was like, Dad, I want to go play baseball. And he's like, okay. And then, you know, my whole childhood, what do you want to be when you grow up? I want to be a major league baseball player. And they're like, you know, that's so cute. What do you really want to be? 
And I'm like, a, a, a baseball player, like I want to be a major league baseball player. And, you know, and, you know, only, only a certain amount of people can do it. But that was my plan from when I was a kid. I, it was plan A. I never had a plan B. And um, I think that was an asset that I had in, in my head was just didn't have a fallback plan. And, um, you know, and, and I was moving forward all the way through high school, through college, got into pro ball. You know, I had my mindset. Yeah, I um. Did you never you never wrote a uh, you re- ever read the Player Tribune letter to your younger self stuff? Have you ever seen that? No. So no, I haven't. So it's a it's they're really cool pieces where the older, whatever uh, you say, it's Serena Williams or it's you could pick anybody from any sport, and they're writing a letter to themselves when they're ten, and they're trying to tell their ten year old self like, hey, this is what's going to happen. And these are some of the decisions that you're going to be forced with. And mom and dad are going to say this. I'm just curious, like what you would have said to like a 10 year old kid who's saying that, like Danny now 32 years old to your 10 year old, like, what, what would you, what would you tell that kid? who's like, yes, I can do it. That's what I want to be. And some people are going to look at you cross-eyed. Yeah. I don't, I don't think I would change a thing. I mean, I had the support from my parents, um, you know, when it's like, okay, you want to be a baseball player. All right. We'll provide you you know, whatever you need and, and you got to go out and do it. And, you know, my 10 year old self was just, just have fun. Like, yeah, you want to be a baseball player, but never take it too seriously. Just go out and have fun. I can't even tell you how many times we would go, you know, the little league fields and do home run derbies and we'd be robbing each other's home runs. And, you know, it was, I I don't think, I don't think, I I don't think I would tell my 10 year old self to do anything differently. Just, just enjoy it. It's cool. Did you play other sports too? I think like I'm just thinking about the parents that are listening right now. Like, see, you got to specialize really early, and then you hear from other guys. Hey, I played a lot of things, and then I figured out that I'm best at this, and I love it the most. I mean, so middle school, I ran track and I did volleyball, um, and then you know I ran a little cross country in high school. But honestly, like the game of baseball is the one I enjoyed the most. I had the opportunity to play any sport I wanted to. I did a little bit of flag football. Uh, my dad always said that I wasn't allowed to play football until I got into high school because, you know, I wanted my bones to develop and not get hurt as a little kid. And I got to high school, and um, it was one of those where I was like, man, I'm, I'm really good at baseball. Like, I want to focus my fall on baseball so I can so I can go play college baseball. So it was always my decision that I just wanted to play baseball. But I do, I do, um, you know, with, with my three kids, you know, my daughter's in dance and gymnastics, and we've given her the opportunity to play soccer. She sat on her soccer ball in the middle of the field. She wanted nothing to do with it. And then, uh, and then my, she, my two boys, you know, they're into a little bit of baseball, a little bit of golf. My son's more into Transformers, so maybe they can create a Transformer sport. But uh, so it, it's one of those where, I do think that being well-rounded is good, but if the child if the child just wants to do one, don't don't say, "Hey, you have to do other stuff too." Um, you know, I, I tried piano when I was a kid. I went to one lesson and I said, "Mom, can I please not do piano anymore?" <laughs> <laughs> and that was the end of my my piano career. I, I outlast you on that one, Danny. I think I did about six years of lessons. I made it to fur Elise for the record, it, and I despise the whole process but uh and i can't play a note right now well that's not true i could play mary little lamb <laughs> hey what do your kids know about what happened to you uh my daughter is the most aware she'll be eight here at the end of this month she knows the most 
um, she still she still talks about it a lot. She'll she'll bring up um, like when we went to our first baseball game in spring training. She was like, "Hey, this is our first baseball game since April twentieth," and we're like, "Wow!" Like you know, it, it just it affects her more than we really you know truly understand. And and um, so I think I think she's she's got an understanding, and I think it still affects her. But she's a happy little girl, and then my two boys, you know, they're so little that maybe one day they'll see it. But but I, I think it affects my daughter more than anybody. Do you have a scar that's noticeable? So the doctors did an incredible job of putting my scar like like just inside my hairline, like kind of tucked away. Okay. When my hair does get cut, you can see it, you know, for a couple of days. Um, and my wife cuts my hair cause she does, she does an incredible job not to, not to hurt me. And <laughs> so, you know, when, if you really stare at me and I'm not wearing a hat, you could probably see a little bit, but honestly, it's, it's, it's not very noticeable. The hair covers it. Perfect. You and the wife, Lexi are high school sweethearts, correct? Yes. That's amazing. I mean, she, yes. we've been, we've been together for like, I think 16 years now. Oh my God. That's incredible. Will she talk to you about like what it was like for her? I'm assuming she does, I guess. She's told me a lot and it's, it's sad because it, it's just like all of her feelings, all of her emotions, you know, when I was, you know, before my surgery and even after my surgery, they didn't know how I was going to respond, whether I was going to have any sort of disability speech impediment. They just, they didn't know. They didn't know if I was going to make it. And, you know, I was out for the whole thing, so I didn't have to experience all the bad, but my wife and, and parents, you know, and, you know, and some extended family as well. My sister was there too, and they had to deal with all the, the tough, you know, conversations they had with the doctors. Yeah. And she, she talks to me about it. She talks to me about her experience. And um, I'm not a big fan of, of talking too much about it because that's all the negative and, like to funnel out the negative and, and channel in the good, like like the guy from Happy Gilmore. <laughs> <laughs> the merry-go-round is up and down and around. I love that movie. Let me bring in my guy, Ethan Blumenthal, as we celebrate summer, officially into August, which makes me not sleep as well at night because I start to think about school, even though I'm about to turn 46 and haven't been to school in a long time. But you get that feeling like, oh, no, it's coming around again. So we're going to do – we're going to celebrate summer right now. We're going to do our top seven favorite things about summer. I know that you're going to go off the border, so I went straight down the middle. Yeah. Good uh, to see you, by the good, way. Good, yeah, always a pleasure. And you uh, you, you got this – you got a lot of scruff going on here. Carm, uh, Carm's rocking the, uh, the, uh, the grayish beard. Yeah, grayish. Grayish. I, I would yeah. call it silver. I mean, silver fox – over here. What do you think of the look? Do you think this could launch me to a new level? You don't like it? Wow. No, I think what you need. I think you just need to clean up the neck a little bit. You clean, know what I mean? I think you need, you need to be cleaner, and then I think I think it'll be a look. But it does it does age you a little bit though. It ages me. Yeah, flat yeah, out. Yeah, flat out. Flat out. I'd say like six years. I was up in in Boyne Mountain, which I mentioned, mm-hmm. and we were sitting at the bar at one of the you know fine establishments up there. Right. And somebody asked me how old I am, and I said, Well, how old do you think? And they're like, Well. You look like you're 30, but that silver thing you got going on makes me think you're a little bit older. So I took that like, all right, all I do is got to get rid of the silver, and I'm still a 30-year-old, and we're good. Yeah. 
That's pretty good. Yeah, I, I was I was happy with that. Yeah, yeah. But uh, right. But I this I think this gives me a little bit more of a distinguished, powerful. He really knows what he's talking about. Look, mm, that's what you're going for. Okay. Right. All right. right. I mean, um, yeah, just age wisdom. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. You look wise. All right. Let's go top seven. Top th- seven. So first of all, I want to say that the reason why I I wanted to do top seven. You know, I think that you know t- lists of top five or top ten are a little bit overdone. Right. And I'll never forget uh, in high school one time I asked somebody when we were on our way to basketball practice and I asked uh, Kevin Robinson I believe what uh, to to rank something on a, to rank something for me and he said well he he immediately said well on a scale of one to seven I'd give it a five five and a half and I was like wow that was crazy whoever just immediately goes to anything out of seven um, but I like that so I want to take that and that's what I was thinking about as I, as I texted you and said I think we should do top seven well and what I find interesting here is number one that Kevin Robinson made the podcast which is huge for Kevin <laughs> it is, really is yeah and seven that's the lucky number for a lot of people who mm-hmm. have lucky numbers. I don't have a lucky number myself. I just live by twenty three mm-hmm. for obvious reasons. Right. But you know, in, uh, I do enjoy the casino. In craps, is seven good or bad? I forget now. It's been a while. You want to roll a seven? So that means that's that's the pass line. That's the pass line. I'm, I'm pretty. I'm seven. Set, seven and eleven. Is that no? No. no, no There's the 11, just seven. Eleven's not nothing. Okay. You, you want you want the pass line. Seven's the pass line. I'm ninety-seven percent okay. certain. So seven. When you roll the seven, then you can like go and then you start like playing, right? Then you well, get... you can bet the pass line or the no pass, right? And then you've got numbers on the board sure, as well. Sure. Yeah. And you got snake eyes. You got all sorts of things going on up there. Yeah. Very exciting. The it, craps table. It is very exciting. Um, but anyways, yeah. So so seven's a lucky number then. You'd yeah. be a great crap table dealer if you knew anything you, about craps <laughs> what do you what do you think is what's what kind of look does one need to be a good craps table, table yeah, dealer just a good solid enthusiasm bring some entertainment i mean you can There's do a, a million things in life sure, you know, I, I don't want to yeah, yeah. You know, i don't want to pigeonhole you into the craps table so yeah a lot, a lot of opportunities uh so yes yeah, so let's get let's get to it you want to just go one at a time so we want to do like one at a time here or want me to do all seven or i don't i, I don't want a time let, we can go one at a time i'm going no, i'm doing from seven down you're going seven down yeah, okay yeah. all right that's that's uh one thing we did not communicate before. Right. All right, seven down. I don't know if mine actually have an order, but okay. I'll, but I'll but well, whatever. Yeah, I'll, okay. I'll try to go seven. Yeah. Down. So number seven for me is barbecues. Uh huh. Barbecue, summer barbecue. You know, it's obviously it could be higher on the list. There's a lot of good going on. The problem with the barbecue, the negatives, the reason why it's not higher up on the list is because you know you're out, you're outside. Often it's really hot, and like it's nice being outside. But like if you're talking about those summer barbecues where it's like 90 degrees and you're sitting there sweating, and then I'm also a big guy. I like to eat. I like to eat my food like on a table, you know, and on a barbecue. You might end up eating standing up a little bit. I like to just like eat, you know, at a table, and then uh, and then you know can walk around with my beer and stuff like that. So that's that's kind of the negative to the barbecue. But good, you know, I love love some good, you know, hot dogs, hamburgers, all that stuff. It's all good stuff. People hanging out, having fun. So there's those are the good aspects, but it has some negatives to it. Yeah, barbecue not on my list. Too many mm-hmm. people, too, right. too long. You you knocked on the hot. And a lot of times, I mean, who's ever cooking the barbecue the foods? You know, sometimes you got a you got a wide variance. So I, I didn't go with barbecue. I went with the balcony. I like to Ooh, be, okay. I like a yeah. solo balcony, peaceful summer look. Can't do that in the wintertime in Chicago, no. mm-hmm. but you can sit out on the balcony in summertime and really get after it with a nice cigar. Have a beautiful night. Not that I've actually done that recently, but I, I did. 
up in Boyne Mountain. Did I mention you that I went to Boyne Mountain? You, you have, you yeah, have yeah, yeah, yeah. I've gone a little. <laughs> I, I went to Boyne Mountain. It was awesome. You should really go to Boyne Mountain. Yeah, look forward to more about it. Head coach uh, Bill Perlmutter is going to be on the show today. The tennis coach up there. Uh, that's coming up in a little bit here. But uh, I did bust out the cigar at the S'mores Pit in Boyne Mountain. Kids are making s'mores. Carm had the cigars from some weird giveaway. They've been in my house for like two years. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to bring those cigars up there. We're going to get after it. And then I busted out the cigar, took a couple puffs, and um, there's, well, I don't get it. Like, what do you do with the cigar? I just put it right back out, and it was embarrassing that I even did that. I felt like I had, I had like, was the degenerate at Boyne Mountain. Well, I think that, I think that you know, you get better with at things, you know, with, with age. So I think that, you know, I think no one just, you know, looks good and feels good the first time they first time they light up a cigar you know it's a it's a it's a process now i do have a question about the cigars you said they were sitting in your house for two years i have know nothing about cigars do you think it's the type of thing like wine or alcohol where you know it, it gets better with age or, or what do you think no probably not probably not right it probably dried out but it was in yeah. like a, it was in a little tube thing mm-hmm. um so i don't think it was completely bunk but but that's not that didn't that was did not cause you to not enjoy it as much. Nah. It was just because maybe at this point in your life you're not quite the cigar person that you'd like to think you are. Right. Yeah. I, I just think I'm, you know, maybe more professional. Right. Understood. Something Understood. like that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's go number two. Yeah, number uh Which is number down, six. Number six. Number six. Uh to me that's I'm going with the beach. So again, you know, uh beach can be a fun summer activity. There's a lot wrong with the beach though. You go to the beach and it's Every, there's sand everywhere, right? When you come back from the beach, right? There's sand everywhere. You bring a bag, there's sand in that bag. Whatever you uh, choose, there's sand everywhere. And it's annoying to have sand in all these little crevices, like in between your fingernails. I mean, who knows, right? It's everywhere. In your suit, no matter what you did, like there's always sand in your suit. You take it off, another sand all over your house. Uh, it's a mess. But, you know, it's nice out. You know, maybe play a little beach volleyball. Maybe throw throw a football around the beach, jump in the water. People are people are looking good. You know, the the great thing about the beach is it's this weird thing, right? Where you go to the beach and you know everyone's in their underwear, right? And if we saw them on the underwear on the streets or in a building, we'd say that's inappropriate. But for some reason, we just like cross this line from the sidewalk to the sand, and everyone's just basically naked. Yeah, and it, it's not the worst thing. No, I think it's fantastic, but. It, I got a couple of problems with the yeah, beach. Yeah, please. Number one, it's always very difficult to get to the beach. Where are you going to park if you go to the beach? Am I going to ride my bike to the mm-hmm. beach? Where am I going to leave the bike if right. I go to the beach? Am I going to walk to the beach? Now I got to get back from the beach. I mean, the beach is just a pain in the it's ass. It's an exhausting process. Getting there, getting back, it's exhausting. Right. Now I'm going to be hot at the beach. Are you mm-hmm. bringing water to the beach? Where's the dude that's running around with the ice cream at the beach? Right. Beach is just difficult, which is why my number six is the pool. Because mm. the, okay. the pool normally has a parking lot. The pool normally has a bar right there if you're going upper level pool the pool you got great chairs at the pool the beach you're on the ground there's sand all over your thing you don't get a clean thing a lot of pools too you got the shower at the pool Mm. so you get a nice fresh shower afterwards you feel great so i i go with the pool number six i personally like a nice pool in the morning good swim really feel good about yourself and late at night pool you look at the stars you're getting that you're getting that flexibility going on it's a big time moment sure i think i haven't been in enough high class pools in my life where they have the nice bar where it's kind of a nice situation you just described at night with the stars i mean 
That sounds pretty. That sounds pretty nice. It sounds yeah. pretty nice. But in my head, I was thinking, I was thinking beach. And I still, I'm gonna go with beach. I think it offers a lot. And the thing about being hot at the beach, though, is it's okay. It feels good to be hot because then it feels really good to jump in the lake. That's true. Water. But see, yeah. that's the other thing with the beach. It feels really good to jump in the lake. But a lot of times, the lake's freezing. So you're hot as hell, but you don't want to go in because it's miserable. The pool pretty standard climate right there you know it could be a little bit of a cold pool but it ain't like a cold beach uh you know that's true so it's true so do you here's a question though i mean yeah. i know we're both chicago people you're a, born and raised in the suburbs but uh, i'll forgive you um but uh are you an ocean person or a lake person that's the other thing with the ocean i right. like the ocean but you know what happens in the ocean people die in the ocean exactly exactly <laughs> what i tell people all the time right right people are gonna die there there's fish swimming around right uh, it, it, it it's it's great but you, you can't swim out very far the lake here you got some rando dudes on a boat three feet off the shore telling you can't go out any further you know what uh, it just uh, and the lake here. Who knows what's in that lake? I I, I mean, who knows what's in the ocean though? I mean, there's well, yeah, the, the same same yeah. thing, same thing. Yeah. Again, the pool. Pool. I, understand. Give me, give Chlorine. Me a... Understood. Right. right. Uh, number five for me. Um, Friday afternoon drinking. Okay. Mm. So I feel like everyone, mostly everyone, whatever you do. Fridays in the summer, right? You, you, no one works that hard on Friday in the summer. You know, Cubs play games one twenty. You know what I mean? Um, but I this past Friday, I it was it was a long week, and finally at around five o'clock, I was like, you know what? It's I'm done. I t- pulled turned my computer, put it pulled it down, turned it off, and then I just had a cocktail with some friends, and I was like, man. This feels really good, and the sun's still out, and it was a really nice feeling. It's something that you don't not get don't get as excited to do in the winter. No question. And I'd like to say we one of the benefits at Fanside is that you get the Friday mm. summer mm. work hours, which is huge. But I'm not going to put that on my list. I'm going to go with walking. I really like mm. I really like walking in the summertime. Uh, you you wake up in the winter, you don't want to go outside, you don't want to walk, you could slip, you could fall. Summertime. There's no time. It's no bad time to take a walk. Early in the morning, you wake up, you see the sunshine, you're walking around, you feel great. Late in the day, you're walking around, you feel great. If it's even super hot in the middle of the day, take a nice walk, go shade side of the street, you're good. I like mm. a good summertime walk. That's a huge, huge shout out to the shade side of the street. Yes. I mean, that's huge. I mean, unless you're walking around somewhere at you know 1 p.m. or noon, there's always going to be one of the sides of the street that's going to be shaded, and it's nice. And even yeah. at noon and 1, if you get really close to a building, mm-hmm. you're probably yeah, going to be good. Gonna shade, yeah. yeah. That's a that's a that's a huge that's a huge factor for the walk. Summer walk. Yeah. Uh number four, going to a baseball game. Ooh. Love a good baseball game in the summer. Obviously, to me, nothing in the world beats Wrigley Field. I grew up on the south side of the city, though, so I have I've been to many, many White Sox games. And no matter what you do, where you're going, it's a baseball game. It's fun. The atmosphere is not too much that can beat that. I'm gonna join you on number four. Love baseball in the summer, but the key for me, summertime baseball is you either got to be there to really augment the experience. You either got to be there early Mm. when it's quiet in the park and there's some BP going around and the organs playing and there's just a piece to the park that you Mm -hmm. don't get at game time. Or my move is afterwards. Everyone leaves the park and it's just quiet and it's peaceful and the guys are coming out with the lawnmower. They're mowing the grass. You get a little sweet smell, all that going on. That. Beautiful. Like the game of baseball, boring. Well, okay. Yeah. All right, we need to get into that. It's a bit of another different podcast. But yeah. yeah, ball one, ball eight, ball ten, boring. Uh, and, you know, I love baseball, but I, I would not say that the game itself, it's, it's more, for me, the activity around the game. Well, I definitely agree that it's a, it's a people can enjoy 
going to a baseball game without really loving baseball. Right. I mean, yeah. how often do you actually pay attention to the game when you're there? Well, I pay attention. I don't you know. believe you. Oh, I do. do well, keep, let's go to a game together. Do you, do you keep score? It. I do not keep score. Um, how do you but stay focused? I feel like I often go with someone who is keeping because I care if I'm watching going to a Cubs game and I'm in, I care I care about every pitch. Every pitch matters. You know, 162 games, but game one matters just as much as game 162. Where do you sit? Where do I sit? Oh, so this so this is a uh, um, you know I grew up campaign. going yeah go ahead I grew up going to the game you know we'd go get the cheapest possible tickets right and then you go and sneak down as far as you can and throughout the game you spot some empty seats going uh, out you know further up closer to the field then you know you, you hightail it over there and you hop in those seats. And that's how I've always done it. I don't know if I've ever really sat in my own seats, to be honest. We are very, very similar. If you go to a game and you sit in your own seat, it's like you're dead to me. Uh, yeah, I, I've never, I don't know if why, I've ever done that. How would you yeah. not pay for the, why would you not get the cheapest seat yep. and see hot your way to glory? Exactly. And who cares if you get kicked out? Right. But a lot of people don't, they don't have the stomach for that, which so, I consider those people weak. Yes, <laughs> I, I do. I've been, I've been kicked out of many a seat in my life. And I would say, I mean, the, the pro move really, and actually I just found this out at Wrigley Field this year, was, you know, they have ushers at Wrigley Field, the mean old ushers. I mean, yeah. they're mean, and that's what they live for is to make sure that people like me can't go down and seat, sit in seats even though no one's sitting there. Um, and, and they're making sure that I can't do that. But I found out that if you come from underneath, um, you know, instead of like coming down the section, you kind of come from underneath from like the 100 level and go up like that, then there's no one there. And you can just go and sit wherever and it's and then you can go sit in those seats that are right above there and you, i mean you're you're like 10 seats from you know from the from the field it's very interesting it's that you brought that up because yeah. i was going to ask you do you do the underneath move yeah and that i mean that's that's the pride and true yeah. okay now i'm all of a sudden there but i will say this the wrigley personnel even at the aisle as of late getting a little more lax the, you, you 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 can get through not to the first 10 rows but the but mm-hmm. but row 10 through 20 row 10 through 20 yeah very accessible mm-hmm. and white Sox, they they they, they, oh. they they'll they'll grab you and pull you down there oh, so yeah. which is so, a beautiful yeah, thing the, yeah yeah and white Sox, you can sit you should you be know, coming right out to guaranteed right field yeah. more often that, no it's it's a good time it's it, a good time it, it, most definitely yeah uh, so that was number i think that was number 4 was 4 going to a baseball game even though Corm doesn't like baseball, you want, right. you want me to lead off with number three? Uh, and I get it. Number three, outdoor physical activities. I know for me and you, tennis is a big one. Can't play tennis in the winter. I mean, you can go play indoors, but it's not the same. But for all those things, you can play beach volleyball. You can go, you know, people play frisbee, you know, baseball if you want to play softball. There's all these things you can do that just no one, you can't do them in the winter. And everyone just is getting, you know, in the winter, it's, it's a... Uh, it's fat. It's fat and lazy time. So my number three, I'll, I'll come with you with tennis, uh, but I'd like to at this point in the podcast give an ode to Maury, seventy-year-old Maury. This was on Saturday, Ethan. Mm-hmm. Shoreline Tennis League, Power League, up and down the uh, Glencoes and Highland Parks. These are the uh, tough, rough and tumble neighborhoods on Chicago's North Shore, and it was me matched up versus Maury. And this was basically for the championship mm-hmm. of the league. And Maury I'm on the edge of my seat here. Ma- Ma- I know you are. Maury is 70. Mm-hmm. Okay, and he comes out there, but he's a loose Maury. He's got to he's he's got loose. A, he's, like got, he's got a nice good flow to the serve. And I've played Maury before. I beat him last year like 6076, but that 76 thing is still in my head. Right. Like I almost lost that set to Maury, man. Mm-hmm. I I've been carrying that around in the back of my I, head. And so I get out there and I'm like, fuck, this guy's going to give me problems. First set, lose its 7-6 and the tiebreaker 7-3. Feeling terrible. Second set, come back, take it in a tiebreaker. Now I'm in the third set. We've been out there for 
17 hours, mm-hmm. and we're playing a 10-point tie break. It's 7-6, my lead, and Maury's serving to the ad side. He serves it to me. I give it back. Maury goes down the line, um, forehand side. I got Classic no, Maury shot. Classic say, Maury yeah. shot. I got no chance to get it. I sprint over there anyway because my brother had come over from his doubles match. I wanted to impress my bro with my effort. Yeah. So I sprint over there. Out goes the hamstring. Mm. Right falling down on the court, laying on my back, felt like I was shot and had to DQ myself because as much as I probably could have limped around on one foot to try to compete with Maury, at that point, you know, I'm not a professional tennis player. It's probably wise to to not play. And, 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 and and I lost to a seventy year old to Maury, um, but I um, love tennis in the summertime to bring it back, and I look forward to getting Maury next year. I'm Maury, so- I'm coming after you. How how long are you out for? You think? I, I think uh, you know as we're a couple days past it now. I, I think I'm I think I'm on a two week two weaker two weaker. Mm, 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 mm. Uh, you and Wilson Contreras, I guess. Right, and Joan so, Moncada. Yeah, so I know Contreras is getting an MRI tomorrow. Are you getting an MRI too? Or? I, I haven't got that on the schedule, but right. I think I should get an MRI. Sure, I think so too. I mean, I'm, this, um, is, this is very I think, important. I think the podcast, I think fans I should pay for it. What do you think? Well, absolutely. Was, that, was it on the job? Kind. Of, I mean, you know, it's, it's all part of the process. You're telling the story. It's content. Right, you know? right. I mean, my life is part of fanside. Right. So. Uh, number two is just uh, everyone outside and being happy. I think that if you if you come around Chicago in the winter and you've never been, you'd say it's weird that there's all of these places to live and all of these stores, but no one could possibly live here because I've been here for a day and I haven't seen a single person outside, right? Everyone just goes into hibernation in the summer. Everyone's happy, you know, everyone's just looks good. They got color in their face, you know, um, people, you know. Girls aren't wearing clothing. Guys aren't wearing clothing. Everyone's just everyone's in their prime prime shape, prime time of their lives. Speaking Summertime. of speaking of not wearing clothing, George, have you been to Lollapalooza this weekend? <laughs> I have not, but I just as I was walking here, uh, I saw everyone, a lot of people, not wearing any clothing. Now, why is it that young people nowadays, mm-hmm. ages, I'm going to say 15, be generous here, mm-hmm. on up to 20, right. feel like just because it's Lollapalooza weekend, they can. And literally, like the dudes aren't wearing shirts, and the women are wearing basically nothing. And this is all cool because it's Lollapalooza. Like if I was a parent, I'd have a heart attack. Are you kidding me? Put on a polo shirt <laughs> right now, young Stephen, and uh, you, Deborah, are not going. I wouldn't let you go in the bathroom with that, let alone go out in public. Do you think there's a single Deborah out there at Lollapalooza? Because I got to tell you, see that that name made you a little bit too, Deborah. I feel like that was you know, if your name's Deborah, you're you got to be in your fifties, yeah. at least. Well, those names are coming back though. I think that, right. I think that Evelyn is making a resurgence. Okay, my aunt Evelyn uh, passed away about ten years ago, but you know that was you know it was generally for older people at that point. But but I think there I think there's a comeback going on. All right, Fred's about to make a comeback. Sure, yeah, you say so, man. You I mean, okay, so. I'm on. This is my number two. Yeah. My number two, I haven't done it in a while, but I really like a good canoe. Okay. When you when you get in a canoe, sure. you do a J stroke, a C stroke, and I'm thinking about the Boundary Waters. Ever been to the Boundary Waters? No. Boundary Waters canoe area. It borders the U.S. and Canada. You cannot put motorized boats in there. 
only the canoe mm. okay. and what you do is you get in your canoe and then you canoe a, lot, a little while and then you get to a little bit of an island or whatnot and then you portage you pick up the canoe and you're packing you walk and, and then you go to the next lake and you canoe that lake and then you find a spot and then you, you pitch your tent and this is you know this is this is this is an activity for yeah. the ages uh, I highly recommend that sounds, it sounds like a hell of a, hell of a trip is there yeah. stuff to do on the islands like is there no, no there's, there's, there's moose nothing. there's Just, bears okay. there's building fires there's connecting uh you can, you know, do uh, other things to for sure. relaxation purposes that are available that you might bring on your right. own. Uh, and you could bring stuff to do, like maybe you're going to bring your mitts, have a little catch. A little catch that type right. of thing, but there's, you're not going to yeah. run into a tennis court. Gotcha. And, gotcha. And, Understood. And swimming is a thing. There's right. these lakes. Sure. Yeah. Um, okay. So number one. Yeah. Number one, and I think it's without question to me, is ice cream. So obviously you can eat ice cream any time of the year, and I will eat ice cream. Twenty below zero. We had didn't we? It wasn't this year. We had a we had one of those frozen tundra things. Right. What's going on? What do they call that? A you know what I'm talking about. I, but it was super cold. Polar vortex. Polar vortex. Yeah, right. yeah. So super cold. I'll have ice cream then. But there's really nothing like having ice cream on a summer day. And I, I eat ice cream. I mean, I already had. I had one of those. Uh, one of those uh, strawberry shortcake bars earlier today. Yeah. You know, and because it's just not a bad time. I was like, who cares? You know, I already played tennis today, so I feel like I earned it. Have a little ice cream. And you know what? There's no doubt about it that this evening I'm going to have some more ice cream. See, for me, I, I love ice cream. So to what you're doing right now is discrediting to ice cream, just putting it in one season. See, for me, ice cream is a year-round event. Well, I said it was year-round, but the, I just it, it's it's even more so. I have definitely have more ice cream in the summer. Right, I and I and I probably do as well. But so when I was thinking about ice cream on my list, I'm like, I can't I can't just do that to right. ice cream. So I had to go for my food product. Mm-hmm. I'm going with corn on the cob, it, a fresh corn on the cob, summertime, on the lake, perhaps if you're really going upper level. And, and it's just and it, it, you put it in the pot for like five minutes and and it just you don't you don't you don't even need the butter you don't even need the salt it's so good but you want to add on go ahead and the, and you I mean one corn two corn so sweet so delicious and so just distinct to summertime because corn to the cob of the winter it, it never tastes as good it's in a bad package it's it's probably got brown all over it but summertime corn fresh that's my that's my number I, one I I mean I have to just disagree hard here I do love corn in the cob but. Corn on the cob, pain in the ass to eat. You pick one bite, and you need to floss for like three days straight. And that's a huge problem. I do what I do like is a really nice corn salad. You know, <laughs> if someone cutting the corn, cut the corn up right, and you throw it, toss that in a little salad, little maybe a little tomato, a little onion there. I mean, it's a simple thing, and that's really good. You get the sweetness. You crunch that corn, and it's sweet. But to, to take a bite into it, and then it's all of a sudden, you know, I got to invest in all the floss companies and start just flossing it for days. I can't, can't do it. See, I hear what you're saying. And if you don't have floss, oh, the misery. I mean, if you're somewhere <laughs> and you don't have floss and you took a bite of corn on the cob, I mean, the whole day's over. Okay, and so. Your, your tongue, right? Your tongue and my uh, constantly like, oh, how am I going to get this thing out? You're trying to get out with your fingernails, but you can't. You can't get it. I mean, it's you're going to make me upset here. So, so I, I hear where you're going, but see, the beauty for me with corn on the cob is that you get to make a mini statement on life because it's not going to be pretty, and you may spray someone, but the fact of the matter is you're making a statement as you eat that corn on the cob that I am going to enjoy my life right now, and I don't care how it looks. I don't care if there's stuff stuck in my teeth. I don't care if that kernel just smacked you in the eye. My corn on the cob is fresh and delicious, and I'm, and I'm, and I'm, and I'm going after it, and that's how I live my life, like the way I'm eating this corn on the cob. So I, I just want to say, whole, I just yeah. say for the record, yeah. though, 
I don't care if I hit anyone with a corn <laughs> of the cob, okay? With the, with the, with the kernel, okay? I, I, I don't care about that. Um, I care about myself, okay? <laughs> and what's going on with you. But speaking of that, though, speaking of that, I think it's a good short transition to get to what Baker Mayfield did this weekend. Sure. Did you did you see see what he did? Uh, Baker's in the news. So he he's at, at the Cleveland Indians game wearing a Francisco Lindor jersey, and he they show him on TV, and then he like looks at his buddy, and then someone tosses him like from off camera, tosses him a beer. He bites the beer, bites into it, bites it open, and then shotguns the beer. And like in a second, then he tosses the beer down, and then he jumps up and he's screaming, and he's getting the crowd hyped, and the Indians like have a little rally and win the game. See, you're Baker Mayfield. Mm-hmm. And he's got a mustache too. I don't know if he's if he's always rocking that mustache, but he was rocking it at the game with a Lindor jersey. To me. It was one of the most bad. I mean, he bit the freaking beer, man. He bit it and then popped it open. It was one of the it was one of the the biggest dick moves I've ever seen. So okay, I, I don't want to be old man on yeah. the lawn, but I'm just gonna be old man on sure, the lawn. Sure, sure, yeah. Dude, remember, remember at the Milwaukee Bucks game when Aaron Rodgers was sitting courtside, and yeah, the was it the offensive lineman or the defensive right. lineman? Yeah, I think like David Bakhtiari. Yeah, I was gonna or, say yeah. it's Bakhtiari. Okay, yeah. so he he's he's just throwing down right. bears impressively. I, yeah. yeah, impressively. Okay. But I'm sitting there like, hey. You're a professional athlete. This is a bad example. We don't need to be going to games and getting and chugging beers. And then how are you getting home? This is the, <laughs> you know this is this is not good, Bakhtiari. And I thought that Aaron Rodgers being like you know, hey, let's chill out there, buddy. We're, we we are on a pedestal, and that's part of the reason why we make this money. And now you got a guy with Baker who is running around planting flags at KU back in the day. You know, playing sure. for Oklahoma and. I get it. You had a sweet season with the Browns, and the Browns are all of a sudden a playoff contender, maybe even more so than that, year two for Baker. And I, I think Baker's got a lot of talent. But for me, what I like to see from Baker is a little more of a bottled-up, mature Baker and not a guy who's shotgunning beers like a, f- a freaking child like you're in high school. So, all right. Well, we're going to have to just disagree on that. I think <laughs> I love it, and I, and I don't think that Aaron Rodgers, you know, there's nothing, obviously, guy can't chug a beer. That's okay. I can't chug a beer either. It's okay. He's still a really good quarterback. But, man, that was... That was it was a, it was a baller move, man. You, you got to get everyone hyped. You got a stadium of forty thousand people hyped. It's pretty cool. It's been yeah. a while since I, I've I, since I, I've I, done I, something, and then forty thousand people have cheered me on. So you know, I hate to be on the anti fun side, but I'm 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 just anti fun. Yeah, Mark anti fun Carmen. Ethan, yeah. great to see you, brother. Always, man. Time for my final thoughts as we wrap it up here. Two things on my mind. Two more mass shootings this week. Team, can we please do better? I know that the majority of people in this amazing country support more gun control. El Paso, Texas, Dayton, Ohio, I am thinking about you today as we do our final thoughts here. It is unfortunate. It is disgusting. It is gross that we continue to value our wallets more than we value humanity. This, is, this should not be a political issue, but it is, and it's unfortunate, and I just really, really, really hope that we'll do better. And another thing, Greenland, you probably haven't been there, neither have I, but the ice sheet is melting, and there is stuff we can do to stop it. Enough with the fossil fuels. We need more electric, less gas. I know we all living our very we enjoy living our very comfortable lives. I do too. But I'd also like to hopefully give back to the future when I'm not around. 
And I know it's very primal for us to want to do exactly what we want to do all the time. But there are things we can do to stop this from happening. And some of you might enjoy going to Miami and San Diego and wherever else along the coast that's not going to exist in our lifetime. Not your kid's lifetime, not your grandkid's lifetime. It could, it could happen in our lifetime. Let us, just fingers crossed, that something, somehow, we can wrap our heads around what's going on and just do better. Thanks for listening to On The Mark. Subscribe, rate, tell a friend. We come out every Monday afternoon with a new podcast. I will talk to you next week. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.